It's close to my favourite time of the week. My favourite time of the week is, in fact, at one second to six o'clock on a Friday. But my second favourite time of the week is that time of the week on a Thursday afternoon. No, I'm kidding. My favourite time of the week is actually seven minutes past three on uh, a Monday afternoon when I start my work week. That's my favourite favourite moment in the week. But my second favourite moment in the week <laughs> is when I say hello to Rebecca Davis. Hello, Rebecca. You couldn't even get through that with a straight face, John, but it was a lovely attempt. Yeah. Uh, the, on News24 at the moment, they, they've got a hold of a, a proposal from the Basic Education Department, three options that they're looking at to try and um, have more teaching time before the end of the year to make up for some of the time that have, has been lost because of the pandemic. Um, the idea to completely cancel the October school holidays doesn't seem to be able to fly, so they're looking at options like using that week, which has a public holiday, the 24th of September, in it and making that the midterm break. And I believe that the team at the DM has been doing some work on how much has been lost by education. Yeah, this is something I got interested in, John, quite recently, well, with the encouragement of my editor, um, because, you know, we have these kind of chaotic happenings in the education sector where we're like, are the holidays going to happen? When are schools reopening? What is rotational learning? So much so that sometimes it is easy to lose sense of the bigger picture. So I wanted to take a step back and look at the overview. And the overview is to say, how bad is what's been happening? How bad is it going to be? Because we've lost at this stage, you know, going on for 18 months of undisturbed learning and counting, you know, and very much counting. Um, what does that mean? Because we keep hearing, you know, oh, we've lost 60% of teaching days. But what does that actually mean? And I feel that there's been this focus, certainly by government on metric, you know, this need, understandably, to like push those top grades out and through so that they don't have their, literally their adult lives delayed. But it's easy to forget about the younger grades and arguably it's the younger grades that are likely to suffer the most because if you miss out on the basics, obviously, in things like reading or math, these are very foundational skills and you have to build on them. So I started looking around at what was available in terms of these studies about what we've lost, John. There have actually only been two small-scale studies probably quite familiar with them. One was on reading among grade twos. One was on reading among grade fours in 2020. And they both found basically that at a maximum, half of what was necessary had been learnt. But actually, there's been very little original research in South Africa. So the question is, how do we measure this? Exams are no longer reliable, I'm afraid, because of the curriculum trimming, because it has been kind of devolved to schools to set exams as they want, with the result apparently that in the, the examinations are now differing so drastically, I've been told, from school to school that they simply cannot be compared at all. It's, some kids are cruising through now because the syllabus is so trimmed. Others are just failing everything. It's not fair. So we looked at other kinds of metrics, John. And to read the full story, I would encourage everyone to go out and buy a copy of the Daily Maverick newspaper, DM168, on a Saturday. But I just wanted to tell you some of the findings because I found them so worrying. One of them, for instance, is an influx of children into remedial streams. So some schools where there used to be, say, five children out of 100 in a remedial stream, now we have almost 30 out of 100 in a remedial stream. Massive increases in sign-ups to virtual learning platforms, and I mean, that is sort of understandable, but also huge increases in demand for private tutoring services in much lower grades than usual. So normally it's grades 10 to 12 where the parents start getting seriously worried 
put their kids into private tutoring. Now it's grade four. The parents are understanding the kids are not learning what they should. And also, I suspect the parents are realizing I'm not capable of teaching what I should. Increased need for school drug testing and increased positive tests, which is certainly also a sign of the kind of psychosocial problems that pupils are experiencing. And then in general, John and I spoke to dozens of teachers and principals and education experts in general, reports from teachers of significant declines in understanding for all grades. Now, just to put this into perspective, this is not, I mean, I don't know how much more serious I can be about this, John, but international research has shown, for instance, that kids who are subjected to unscheduled learning breaks are disadvantaged well into adulthood. We're talking about a cohort of pupils potentially going on to earn less, potentially going on to have, you know... If they're lucky enough to get a job, of course. In South Africa, of course. So this is a, a... catastrophic situation and what worried me the most speaking to education experts was a a lack of belief that government is actually committed to taking it seriously enough so you know there have been all these suggestions you mentioned some of them and to do with dropping subjects the union has cut is is pushing back on predictably to do with readjusting assessments curriculum trimming and these after-school camps etc but i mean what is really needed is first of all uh, an honest appraisal by the minister and the dbe to say we are in serious trouble here not just for matrix not for the older kids for all the kids this is a cohort that could potentially be disadvantaged into adulthood and that john is a really terrifying thought it is indeed. I certainly will be buying, as I do every Saturday, my copy of the Daily Maverick. Now on to a story which... Uh, <laughs> Spencer Eldon. Um, people, if you can, in your mind's eye, if you have a mind's eye, which I don't, picture the cover of Nirvana's um, album, Nevermind. There is um, a young baby, four months old, we now know for certain, who is naked in a swimming pool and uh, looks as if he's swimming towards... Uh, a dollar note or a $20 note, which is on a hook. His name we now know is Spencer Elden. He was four months old at the time he was photographed in 1991, and he is now suing 15 defendants, people associated with Nirvana, for $150,000 each because he believes he was sexually exploited. Neither he nor his legal guardians ever signed a release authorizing the use of any images of Spencer or of his likeness, and certainly not of commercial child pornography depicting him, exposed Spencer's intimate body part and lasciviously displayed Spencer's genitals from the time he was an infant to the present day. As a result, he suffered extreme and permanent emotional distress as, quote, well as lifelong loss of income earning capacity. Because as a 20-year-old or 28-year-old, he went into a job interview and they said, you, the four-month-old baby, that was naked on Nirvana's Nevermind. Get out of here. I'm sorry, Rebecca. <laughs> I, too, have questions, John. One of which is that Spencer Alden, by my calculations, is now 30, possibly 31. <coughs> to claim that he has been caused lifelong loss of income seems premature. When I was 30, I was basically making barely enough to eat. Another question, John. I don't understand when he says that none of his legal guardians gave permission. I mean, it says clearly elsewhere in the article that his parents were paid $200 or something for the shoot. So there must have been some kind of consent, even if it was only verbal. I was also just perplexed by the idea that the picture was not photoshopped. I mean, I sort of assumed that they just 
photoshopped in the dollar note on a fish hook. I also didn't know that you could put four-month-old babies in a swimming pool, but Julie noted for young Miles. Um, but John, it did get me thinking. I must say, I mean, I think this guy's a chancer, also because he's apparently reenacted it as an adult every chance he gets. And he is, as I said, only 30. But it did get me thinking about what we make kids do these days on social media without their consent whatsoever. I mean, on TikTok, for instance, it is absolutely run of the mill for parents to sign up their kids for accounts and have them perform virtually daily, weekly. And, I, you know, I have friends who have kids who are slightly older than mine at Cape Town primary schools or high schools who says that South African parents are doing the same. You know, you have these precocious little kids and you want to put them out there on social media performing in various ways. Well, I mean, what about informed consent? Are these kids going to grow up and look back fondly on all this public performance or are they going to think, God, I really would rather not have had that record of every part of my early life online. I do think that this is not going to be, you know, the the case that settles this matter. But these notions of privacy and the online marketplace are interesting, and I think that they're going to come to the fore for more as, um, as as the current generation gets older. Yeah, I mean, on, on a serious note, I mean, I, I would not now think um, I don't have grandchildren. I'm not sure I ever will or if I do, when they will come. But I would never put a photograph of my naked grandchild. I'm not on social media, so there are a lot of ifs that have to be overcome. But I would never these days, knowing what one knows about the deep perversity of the paedophile community, I would, I would never post a naked image of my child. Never. I mean, I also thought that for Spencer Elden to say that his genitals were lasciviously displayed was a bit much. I, I don't think his genitals are technically even visible in the photo. But I agree. Naked photos are clearly a step too far even now. And, you know, particularly with laws around prosecution for child pornography and possession and the rest of it. But the question of whether you have a right even to put an, a close picture of your child online when they haven't given explicit consent and aren't old enough to know what that means, I think is one that we're going to be querying more and more in the future. And then Rudy Giuliani, shaving in public, an airport restaurant. I, ha I, I made the mistake of looking at the video. I don't think I'll ever eat again. It was very depressing, wasn't it, more than anything else? I felt sort of sorry for him. It was just sort of tawdry. Yes, the former New York mayor, Rudy Giuliani, was filmed at a restaurant. It was an airport restaurant. Dining on lobster beef, followed by a plate of brownies, and then whipping out a razor and a mirror and shaving himself at a restaurant table. A choice which has caused some outrage from the interweb. But although there are those who say the fact that it was an airport restaurant should be taken as a mitigating factor. What, it improves the food, having Giuliani's hair in it. <laughs> He was in transit, perhaps, and hadn't had a, a chance to groom himself in a more private place. Others have pointed out there was a delightful party mere millimeters away from Rudy Giuliani. But it did get me thinking, John, what kind of grooming is acceptable to be done in public? And I asked my partner, Haji, about this because she is much more fussy about such things than I am. I have quite a laissez-faire attitude. I thought, for instance, that for a woman... Or a man, to do a discreet hairbrush in public would be acceptable. She almost vomited at the thought, said absolutely not, absolutely unacceptable, disgusting. Someone could have dandruff or nits that could be flying off everywhere. No, that is not okay. She suggested a discreet lipstick application, fine. A discreet lip ice application or hand lotion, also fine. She also said she would not mind seeing someone fixing their contact lens, very kind. I worked out for me, I do not mind 
seeing people adding things to their appearance. I just don't want to see you subtracting anything from your appearance. So no nail clipping, no shaving, no tweezing. But should you feel the need to put on full makeup or contact lens or glass or dentist, I don't mind. Got no problem with that. It's the subtracting that's the problem. And another question which often divides people, is it okay to floss your teeth in a gym bathroom? I say absolutely not. No mouth things. No mouth things should be taken into the public gaze. John, that is for your private, intimate boudoir. But I know that many people may disagree with me. And I do want to say that I have seen people clipping their nails in extraordinarily public places. And it is repugnant to me. Also, my friend Simone was once on the London Underground. And she saw a woman opposite her open her handbag, withdraw a small mirror and a razor and begin to shave her beard. Oh dear! Uh, so I, 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 I now have all of these images plus Rudy Giuliani shaving. I'm never going to eat, but then I can afford to lose weight, so I'll be all right. Thank you very, very much, Rebecca Davis, with Plan B.